0: Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another special edition of the AJ Roberts Show. Uh my name is AJ Roberts, as you know, and today I am joined by none other than the host of the pandemic podcast, Mr. Dan Aston Gregory, and the lovely Dr. Jane Ruby, all the way through the United States medical professional and pharmaceutical expert. Um, Dan, first of all, good evening. How are you, everybody?
1: Good evening. Good to see you again, uh, fresh off the uh, march on Saturday. Great to bump into you at the event there. Um, lots of great energy. And I think um, I think some of the things that have underpinned what we saw in London on Saturday, we can extract during this uh, conversation tonight. So great to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Amazing, mate. Absolutely amazing. And it is a real, real pleasure to have you here, buddy. Um Dr. Jane, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um I know you're inundated with uh podcast requests and to go on TV shows, news reels, and all that kind of stuff. So thank you for taking the time to be here this evening or this afternoon where you are. Um whereabouts in the world are you uh joining us from today?
2: Yes, thanks for having me, AJ. I'm really thrilled to be here. Um I am in South Florida, uh in the United States. So uh I'll I'll leave it at that, kind of an undisclosed location, but
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is um, well, at least you're getting some good weather, and that it's a bit uh on and off here at the minute. Yeah. Um, guys and girls, I wanted to uh do a bit of a joint panel today, um, purely because we have Dan, who obviously as a host of the pandemic podcast has brought like 250 to 300 broadcasts to the nation in UK, and he's interviewed some of like the world's leading scientists, uh, psychologists, medical experts. Uh, nurses on the front line have witnessed some of the most, you know, horrendous atrocities uh, to bring you real life stories and and science um, to the people of, of the United Kingdom and the people that have been watching from the wider world. Um, but I also wanted to bring uh, Dr. Jane Ruby on to give you a, a big input from the United States. because I think it's vitally important because from what I found over the last few weeks, so many people don't, uh, don't or never even heard of uh, Dr. Fauci, for example. And What's happened with the um, fallout of his emails having been released from the UK? So for those of you in the UK who don't know who he is, he's kind of like the uh, Neil Ferguson from America. Um, he's been dictating basically like everything that's been going on and everyone's been leaning in and doing what he says, um, much to his benefit as we'll soon find out. So I wanted to get Dr. Jane on to uh, explain really from an American standpoint exactly what that means and the real fallout of what has created uh, and the correlation between the UK, uh, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. Mm. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to shed a bit of light on uh, the amazing work Dan's been doing up until now. Obviously, Dan, you're on the podcast like, it was way back in November, but so much has happened since then, mate. Um, what do you? Uh, what's been your like biggest? Um, sort of like, your biggest episode that's really hit home so many truths for you so far. That you've done because i know i know it's probably maybe a bit of a hard question because you've done so many but is there anything that really stands <laughs> out um i i think one of the things rather than single episodes it's interesting
1: to observe some of the commonalities between some of the guests that i've had on you know there's a there's a real concern that uh there's been a throughout the entirety of the uh, the response to COVID 19 there has been an absolute absence of debate um in fact today i've spoken to two scientists who are, who are incredible in their own fields Uh, and are deeply concerned by what they've been witnessing not only before us but also what potentially lies ahead of us but they don't feel comfortable um speaking out about this situation and the, the 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 commonality i find amongst all the guests i have is is a real firstly a real desire to actually minimize total harms that's really what the outcome people want you know the total harms from the virus or the response to the virus or or the medical interventions Um, and and have open debate around the evidence to look at what's really happening here and how we can move forward beyond this um, in the first instance. Uh, And I would also say to underscore that there's also a real concern beyond the issues surrounding the virus, some of the political, social, uh, technological, uh, ethical issues around everything that's happening right now. so you know, it's really difficult to encapsulate in one episode. But to surmise from the the guests I've had on, I, I would s- say that's the overarching theme. Um, mm. Each individual's got their own specialism and look at different parts of the, the the puzzle. And it is a big puzzle. I kind of explained today. It's like a ball of yarn. You have to kind of unravel it strand by strand and look at each strand to see what it is. Um, uh, but but you know, there's a real there is a real concern that, that we, we are causing more harm than good. Uh, and we really need to course correct rapidly and uh, look look at how we can bring greater accountability and transparency to the overall situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. I'm, I'm 100% with you. And again, we had talked about that in great detail at the weekend as well. And that's been one of the biggest issues. And Dr. Ruby, would you suggest that that's been one of the major issues in the US up until now, which is that real raw censorship that you're seeing on, you know, Nobel Prize winners, you know, real credible thought leaders, some of the top cardiologists in the world?
2: Um, absolutely, and first of all, thank you so much, both of you, for having me. It's a, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here, uh, and to connect with our, our UK um, fellow citizens. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, it's astounding. Uh, the level of censorship here in the U.S. is pretty, uh, pretty rigorous and pretty rough. Uh, we, it's, it's like chasing, you know, your tail. They, they can barely keep up with it. The censors, you know, across social media and across mainstream media, of course. And all the, you know, all the efforts to shut this information down. But I do think, thank God for alternative media that slowly was developing and growing, you know, uh, starting a few years ago. I wrote a book called The Sea of New Media, which was really a, a take from a quote from Andrew Breitbart, where he said, you know, we are the media now because we can't trust them to be. So now they're in, you know, they're just in this incredibly aggressive mode. Um, but but we, we are bigger than them. We're more than them. And I think that 's what 's keeping the word going out and i 'll do this as, as long as I can, um, so right now i haven 't been you know shut down yet I, I did have a a large Twitter account last year, and they shut me down in October uh, just before our u s presidential elections, which I figured they would but um I weaseled my way back in and i 'm climbing again <laughs>
0: <laughs> fantastic um, but obviously uh, one of the big talking points that we wanted to talk about, especially today if you could want elaborating on is um uh, for the guys and girls especially in the uk uh new zealand australia and europe who are watching um dr fauci had to release over three thousand emails to the senate didn't they because they uh, put a freedom of information request in uh in those emails was quite a lot of alarming information and correspondence between him and a number of people in wuhan um would you be able to give us a brief description uh, an overall thing of like the main key points of what came out of that so people in the uk really get an understanding please
2: well, I think a lot of what Dr. Fauci was up to was revealed in those emails. Let me just say for the audience, Anthony Fauci is a guy who is probably makes uh, the Nazi doctor, Dr. Mengele. And I'm not being cute. He actually makes Mengele look really moderate. Um, this guy would not have the been able to accomplish. And by the way, what he's accomplishing is uh, depopulation. injuring millions of human beings on the planet. So this should be of interest to everyone, not just the United States. Um, It was good that those emails were leaked. They really revealed that he is doing what we suspect that he is doing. You know, he was shut down. Uh, He started level four um, safety labs that that are the highest, most dangerous labs. Uh, He was shut down in his gain of function work in the United States by presidents Reagan and and then again by Obama, believe it or not. And then he took the money because he has a lot of power and he can move the National Institutes of Health and the National Institute of Immunology and Allergy. Uh, He can move many hundreds of millions and maybe a few billion. And so when he got shut down in the United States and it was made illegal, gain of function research, he took it over and he gave it to, of all people, Uh, He supported the development of the Wuhan lab, which is another level four biosafety lab, which has no business being in a country like China that wants to take over the world. Um, So so that's sort of who Anthony Fauci is. I can tell you that um, he he should probably stay in hiding because there are groups and people in the United States that at least, at the very least, want to see him go before an international tribunal, um, you know, and, and be prosecuted. And 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 pay the death penalty for what he's done. He's um, he's really he's allowing the the death and destruction of children and pregnant women. And it's just like you said, the atrocities are uh, are endless right now. Endless. Mm.
0: Um, and obviously a lot of those emails, so I've read a lot of them in detail. Um, there's correspondence in him and Matt Hancock in the UK. Um, And you can see a lot of correlation as like a lot of the legislations and everything brought in the UK, which is kind of mirrored what's been happening in the States over the several months um, off the back of Dr. Fauci's uh, time and tenure uh, in, in his, in his role. Um, Obviously a lot of key points were um, masks don't work. You know, I think there's ridiculous amounts of uh, reports out there and peer reviewed papers that suggest the exact same thing. Um, And, obviously the gain-of-function research, which he was heavily involved in. Um, Would you be able to explain a little bit to the the public what gain-of-function research actually is, Um, if you wouldn't mind?
2: Sure, Um, gain-of-function research is research that takes maybe existing molecules or viruses or bacteria. And it actually uh, is intentionally designed to make it dangerous in um, various m- scientific ways, uh, whether it makes it uh, more deadly, whether it makes it more aggressive, when it gets into the body, we actually create those dangers. You don't wait for them to happen in, in nature. And the excuse, if you will, is so that we can be prepared if we're ever hit with something like that in the wild, in nature, to fight it. Um, there, it's a hugely controversial. It's, you know, illegal in labs uh, in the United States. Um, so, so gain of function is dangerous. And, you know, I don't know if you want, you want to get into it, but v- just very briefly on a high level, um, these, these vaccines, I, they're really not vaccines because vaccines confer immunity. They, they give you a surveillance system for the future and uh, set up an army to fight if, they, if your body ever sees a particular item again. Uh, but but um, they actually added, when I say they added gain of function, uh, and I won't get into too much of the detail, but these injections have a, a genetic code that forces your body to replicate a very toxic synthetic version of a piece on, on, on a, a regular coronavirus. And those, those, those um, downstream, those billions of spike proteins are part of the gain of function. That whatever you add or design it to do that makes it very dangerous uh, is really falls under that rubric of, of gain of function. So I hope that helps people mm. you know, get a better idea of what that is and how sinister it is. Mm. And I wanna make one other point, um, AJ, you said you know, that you know, there's all this lockstep, all these leaders and politicians and policymakers, all over the world, they say the same things, they word it the same way. We're all in this together because we're under something, an attack by something much larger than any of our individual governments any of our individual leaders, they are just puppets in lockstep. Mm. And you can tell because the language is the same, the activities are the same. Um, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, thank you for shedding uh, some light on that. Is there anything you wanted to mention on that, down from uh, your findings and the people you spoke to?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things even fresh from today. I spoke to a professor of evolutionary biology this morning that was talking about um, the spike protein. Within the virus and and, the, and how this interacts with the the body and and, and how this um, you know binds to the ACE2 receptor and the, what, what what happens beyond that, uh, but he was also commenting that you know that the 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 um, inter- interventions we'll say to avoid any any uh, censorship uh, that they've been deliberately engineered to replicate the 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 exact same. Uh, spike protein in order that the body theoretically produces an immune response to these interventions. So it comes with the same, or potentially comes with the same risks as the actual spike itself. So that's first thing that's from discussions again with with the scientists this morning. Uh, but secondly, having spoken to another scientist this afternoon from a different academic field, um, he was speaking about how this is like a game of chess, whereby the opponent is clearly cheating, um, abundantly cheating, like aggressively cheating um, but the challenge is that his view is that the, the, the opponent will win the game but after the game has been won we will all look back on the camera and say look they were clearly cheating and that's when we get to the point that uh, dr. Jane Ruby's talked about about in terms of accountability beyond this uh, that uh, these people should be held accountable as we've seen with other crises throughout history where there's been people there have been perpetrators that have caused the harms. So uh, I, I mean I, I would like to be a little more optimistic that we we, we can we can intervene before the game is up. Uh, and in fact I, I was talking to a, a senior political advisor from the UK who's who's actually a member of the government advisory here in the UK. We had a private and confidential conversation. And and I and I referred to the fact that in probably five to ten years' time we'll be having these talking head. Conversations a bit like we're having now, but looking back retrospectively over the last ten years, saying what on earth was going on in 2020? How did we let that happen? All of these atrocities—you know—it makes no sense. We didn't follow the science. We didn't have any debate. All of the—you know—the influences of philanthropy, capitalism—all of these issues that we're now aware of and raising the alarm of now will be discussed in a decade's time. But but I said we can't wait for a decade to come and to look back and say this is what went wrong. We are here raising the alarm right now, and I think to the point that. My, uh, my, my, the scientists I was speaking to this afternoon. We have to be documenting what's happening because this is the evidence trail. This is our, this is, this is, this is happening now. We have to do our best to uh, try and create course corrections that minimise harms and actually tackle some of the issues here. But we also need to be cracking that evidence trail because there, there is, there is, there is, there is. There is to put it lightly, there is clear misconduct, and that's just putting it very light and politely um, around this. Um, and we will we will need to be looking at how we address this beyond this. Um, but but I know that view is shared by a lot of academics: is that we, we we will struggle. The forces behind this are so great that actually to challenge it during whilst it's happening may not emerge. But once it's over, that's that's where our opportunity is. But again, to reiterate, you know, you see me on the streets of London, marching through uh, the, mm-hmm. the city center to make my voice heard and I'll do my piece that I can for independent media to raise my, uh, to raise awareness of these issues. You know, I've put my head above the parapet. I've suspended all my business activities to enable this um, because for me, it's the right thing to do. You know, it's, right now it's, it's important that people, more and more people have courage to actually tackle the real issues that are emerging in front of us because it's only just okay. beginning,
0: that's that's the hard part here. It's only just beginning and the worst is yet to come, sadly. Yeah, no, absolutely mate, and it's, uh, it's a long road ahead. Um, but for the benefit of the um, the, the viewers um, and the listeners at home, um, Dr. Ruby, would you mind explaining, because um, there's been a few questions here that I'm monitoring, um, and I think it was a benefit a lot of people were like, what exactly is mRNA?
2: Yeah, I think it's really important and uh, it's a valuable question. Um, and it speaks to what you were mentioning before. It's the—it's not that this is uh, forcing your body to make the spike from the natural coronavirus. Um, this is a whole other ball game. First of all, let me clarify that the reason these injections, and by the way, it's all of them, all of them internationally, the ones in the US, everything. So let me clear that up first, um, no exceptions. They may have a slightly different way of getting to the end game, but they all get to the same end game. And that, so let me start with what's a, a, a conventional vaccine. A conventional vaccine uses a piece of a virus or whatever the target is, uh, or a dead virus. it's called attenuated. And, and it, it, it gets injected into your body. It stays in a little uh, small area, and then your body, the, the, lymph, the surrounding lymph nodes, see it, they register it. I'm gonna use really simple terms so we can move quickly. Uh, and it, like I said, it creates a two-part immunity to it. A surveillance system, it it, rem- it remembers it it has bl- you know red hair with blue eyes and a green dress so i'm just speaking metaphorically um, and um, so and then the second part is the the killer t cells which will always be deployed if that organism shows up again that's a vaccine that's conferring immunity what these injections are when i say they all get to the same place they get to the same place it is a a genetic code an M, an encoded piece of messenger RNA and here's the key to the difference it's in a lipid nanoparticle that we are now learning has a sort of magnetic and we can talk about this later you know effect to it called with the process is magnetofection but this lipid fatty layer and that those materials around it are shuttling this this mRNA code into virtually and probably every cell in your body. It is able to break down barriers that nobody intended to be broken. One of the most famous barriers in the body is the blood brain barrier. It's very delicate in terms of, you know, on the other side of the brain, as you can well understand. And there are many things that are not allowed. You know, proteins can't get in there. You, your brain works on sugar, on glucose. So there are very specific things that can get in. There are very few. These lipid nanoparticles are so designed, this is why I know there's a sinisterness to this, that they can get these past all these barriers. What does that mean? You're not supposed to have DNA outside of your cells. This gets it into cells. And here's what was explained by Dr. Bhakti, who I adore. He explained that when your body is forced to make these spikes all in, in the billions all over your body, it's not that the spikes are flying around freely. They are sticking out of the cells, your cells that this lipid nanoparticle pushed it into. And you're inside the cell, it's being forced to make lots of them and release them, but some of them are sticking out. Your body recognizes that sticking out as the foreign invader. What do you think it's attacking? It's attacking the cell, your your home cell, not the, not just the spike. So I'm giving you a very big overview on how these autoimmune diseases are going to develop, how in some people, if it gets into cardiac muscle, you're going to have a, a, a maybe in 10 days, 14 days, you're going to have, you know, a chest pain, shortness of breath, and, you know, ergo the myocarditis that we started to see as a signal out of Israel in April, because Israel sold its soul, its leadership to the devil, because it made an exclusive agreement with Pfizer. So now the entire state of Israel is a petri dish for the Pfizer jab. And here's why it's really important. A lot of early signals are coming out. In young men, they were coming out with the myocarditis. Now we know it's a worldwide problem. It's a huge problem in the United States. Uh, I can break a story for you right now that just came out hours ago, that a study just came out in JAMA, uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association, that's showing an explosion of myocarditis in our military, our US military. This is a national security emergency. And, and we can get into the airlines and all that, but I'll let you guide me as to where you wanna go. But I hope people get an appreciation for a regular vaccine. And these, this is why we stop ourselves. We will not allow ourselves to call this a vaccine. That's really part of the war that they instituted on the populations by getting people to call it a vaccine. And people have this false sense of security about it. This is a bio weapon. It's designed to kill a lot of people soon. And uh, a lot more people later, as, as it depends on how it goes. And I have to tell you guys, I have a suspicion, I don't have proof yet, but I have a suspicion that they have each of these companies, possibly, it has different things in their injection, in their vials, at different points of time. Uh, I'm, I'm just speculating, again, I want to make sure I'm not, I'm not quoting any science. Mm-hmm. That's my hypothesis, and I'm going to try to work on it Mm. because swaths of people have, how can some people die of, how can a 15-year-old die of a heart attack? Mm -hmm. How can a 30-year-old mother previously healthy and jock end up with a Guillain-Barre syndrome and is using a walker to walk? And yet, you know, another person who's 25 over here uh, got the same type of jab, and they have nothing, no initial symptoms, no long-term symptoms. Something's off somewhere or there's something targeted in these injections.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. It's uh, it's very alarming. And uh, at the end on Saturday I, and during the day, I spoke to a lot of nurses who were there um, and were extremely troubled um, by the whole thing that's been going on over the last 12 months, um, 16 months even. Um, the lady I spoke to towards the end of the day, uh, she worked actually in a London hospital, and she said that the, um, the ICU, um, has, has, hasn't has had any COVID patients at all they've currently got um, a, a large proportion of people who have bacterial lung infections from wearing masks all day um, and they've actually had a 400% increase in the last three months in heart attacks, strokes and blood clots All for, all, they're all young people and all double jabbed and uh, just literally she finished a sentence the lady opposite her said one of them is my husband, he's 38 hmm. and I was just like... Phew. Wow. And Dan, I mean, you spoke to countless people like this over the last uh, few months, haven't you?
1: Yeah, so um, I think there's, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of issues here. Um, I think just just firstly, on in, in terms of the differences between different reactions, we've been exploring this with a group of scientists that have some hypotheses around this. Again, it's working theory. Um, but, but the dominant theory at the minute is that it depends on the site of the injection. So... Mm-hmm. I understand it 's designed to go into the muscle mass and and where it 's isolated in the muscle mass, the theory is that the, that the the product would not go beyond there, therefore the spike proteins wouldn 't enter the, into that's the bloodstream there.
2: well that's, yeah, that's, that's
1: the, that 's the original theory but what 's happening is it 's enter, it's absolutely entering into the bloodstream and therefore being distributed amongst amongst the body but there, But there were scientists again that had already previously warned that this would be a and cautioned that this would be a, an issue and that we we would see these potential uh, breaches within the blood brain barrier, which, which uh, um, we we've, we've talked about and, and various other sources. And, and we, we also know that you know the the, the the spike protein being found in the ovaries and the testes and all these other remote locations. So the, 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 the biggest issue for me here it, it, from the scientific community is that we're not even addressing this. You know, It's, it's been brushed under the carpet and ignored and it's it's a real risk factor and it's 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 the, the alarm bells are there yet we're still steaming ahead that's 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 the first thing second thing around the Israel situation again we've looked at the data from Israel what of the worrying things is some of the adverse reactions appear to be more biased and more skewed towards younger people so actually mm. particularly in men uh, the, the, the younger men appear to be harder hit by these different uh, adverse reactions so it's it's really concerning as we enter into the next phase which is which is which has been talked about right now in Britain uh, having had the the jabs now approved uh in the under 18s at least by the um regulators it's it's yet to pass through the um joint committee of vaccine um the, J- the JCVI uh fund for final approval but we can see where this is heading and it's i think for a lot of people there's quiet conversations uh, behind closed doors about their concerns but my, my 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 real issue about this is is those quiet conversations behind closed doors have got to become public because you know silence is compliance and actually um you know your children are going to be the ones queuing up in 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 the schools and uh it's it's an absolute lottery uh because you know absolutely you know in the short term we we, we've seen it hasn't affected everyone the same way but we don't know the long-term implications it's unpredictable um and we've we've never it it never we've none never run a trial at this scale around the world uh of, of any product like this so um and just to bring it into proper context when we're talking about children you know back to the empirical data around COVID-19 for instance we we know that they're at the lowest risk uh, firstly of severe disease secondly in the United Kingdom it's already been proven that every under 18 uh, uh, individual that, that, that passed away with the virus as a rather than of the virus had serious life-threatening pre-existing conditions. That's been written about, even in the Times, for goodness' sake. So that you, so that so that no one has been known to have uh, passed away under the age of eighteen specifically of the um, the, the the immune response to to COVID nineteen. Uh, We also know that uh, community transmission from young people to to, to the wider community is exceptionally low. Again, common sense corner. Of course, it can happen. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen for for, for disclaimer purposes, but it's exceptionally rare. And the other piece is uh, in the United Kingdom, if you look at the at risk populations of of COVID-19, over 65s, comorbidities, et cetera, et cetera, which, you know, we have got to move past the idea that this is a deadly virus that is non-discriminatory and that it affects everyone equally it's just absolutely nonsense the, the, the data absolutely doesn't show that but the over 65s less less than less than 3% of the UK population over the age of 65 live live with children so so the risks the idea that children need to be jabbed to protect others is is completely flawed on 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 so many so many levels yet this is now being the driving One of the drivers of the the rollout, in addition to this notion that it's designed to stop the disruption to education. But we have to stop and recognize the disruption to education is a policy decision. It's nothing to do with the virus. It's nothing to do with vaccines. It's policy. And right now, there's a school about 12 miles away from where I live here with 12000 pupils. that has been shut down because two people tested positive with no symptoms. No one is sick yet 1,200 people's education has been disrupted. That's policy, that's not viruses, that's not vaccines, that's policy. So for me, this there's so many issues that underpin each one of these topics that as I go back to it's the yarn ball, we need to unravel exactly what's happening here uh, in order that we, we, we course correct and actually hold people accountable for the issues that are arising.
2: I'd like to address um, a couple of things you mentioned, Dan, because I think it's really important for not only your audience, but everyone to remember. There are a couple of very faulty premises, not of yours. I'm just saying that we are operating on allowing these policymakers to run ragged over us. The first is no one has ever isolated the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Do you know what they used to develop uh, the, um, and not the inventor of the PCR test, Let's go with downstream, Corman uh, Drosten paper, Christian Drosten. Do you know what they used to validate their, their version of the PCR test? They used a surrogate from 2003 of a general coronavirus. This is uh, absurd and criminal. So number one, no one's ever been given an isolate of the exact virus. So it, to me, it doesn't exist. Uh, a lot of things, you know, the flu just disappeared last year, right? But everything was COVID. Stub your toe was COVID. So we got to wake up to this, number one. So there, there is no proof of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The second well, can thing I
1: can, is- I, can I can I interject on that one as well? Because I, I, I tend to disagree on that point. This is a point that I find very difficult. No one's so ever isolated
2: it. the virus. No one's ever I mean, isolated it. I've no
1: literally ever- been sat i've been looking at the, I've been looking at the the, the the challenge is the definition of what is a virus isolate you know we, the, the 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 theory yeah. provided by terrain yeah. terrain theory suggests that it's not been isolated, but my team and I this morning have been looking at around about eleven papers which show the isolation of the virus you know we, we, it's very clear your, there's a vaccine Yeah, look at
2: who funded it look at the conflict of interest look at who they're associated with um I found, I found a building in Berlin, Germany. It's the, with a chemist cell company that makes this magnetofection. Then I found a company called TIB Mobile in Berlin that makes PCR test kits that is co-owned by Ulfert Lant, who's a comrade of Drosten. Guess what the address is? It's the same building. Then I found a company called Gen Express, which was funded by Bill Gates, and they make all kinds of other materials. Guess what their address is? The same exact building. This is a concerted effort. You can get a peer-reviewed paper through. Nowadays, we have no oversight. You can get it through in twenty-four hours. The Corman Drosten paper was was peer-reviewed, which it really wasn't. In twenty-four hours, I'm saying that, that you can't believe everything you're reading, even in scientific papers. You have to corroborate it. These are very dangerous times. And uh, don't don't buy the lies. I don't see the proof. And even in the Corman Drosten paper, those criminals, Drosten and that whole group, they said they used a surrogate, right? They didn't even get. They couldn't even get a a a a, a SARS CoV two. So be very so, very okay,
1: well. Let, 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 well yeah, I I understand what you're saying. There's lots. I get passionate of interest. about it, okay. and, 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 and I and I agree with that. You know, I agree that there's lots of conflicts of interest. So, so what? What in your view, then, if there is no virus, what what caused the excess mortality across the world simultaneously uh, in multiple countries? Uh, if it's not, if it's you not know, a virus, what who knows?
2: What it? Dan, who knows? They called it all COVID. I mean, you know, think about it. Uh, first of all, I don't, I don't believe the numbers. The PCR test is a fraud. Kerry uh, yeah, I'm, Molle- I'm, 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 I'm,
1: I'm not, disputing the, the the exaggeration of the numbers. But but you know I've have so sat t- in front of COVID patients that have that have that have the you same told, clinical. I was told, told no, that I sat in front of them. And
2: and, and how yeah. is that how is that how is that determined?
1: Well, obviously, it's still through a test, but when you look at the the, the chest, the, the chest scans, the heart scans, mm-hmm. the lung scans, the the autumn, you know, the psychotic the impact of the psychotin so there's plenty of similarities with flu, yes, but there is this, this marked, distinct differences in the clinical presentation. I find it. I find I, I, I understand that the whole thing has been overinflated. I, I mean, I've talked about this for the last twelve months. You know, there's there's serious issues. We've got we've got a summit in London addressing all the data issues coming up in two weeks' time. Um, but 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 really. When, when, when there is a denial that there's been a healthcare outcome, it gets very difficult to get that. That's note. not my denial.
2: No, that's I'm not, not saying a denial. That's not what I'm denying. I'm not denying so, so. the healthcare outcome. Okay. I'm not denying people died. I'm saying there's one test and one test only on this planet that is being used and that has been used since January of 2020. And that's the PCR test. And I'm telling you that it's a fraud. We it know the first
1: is a fraud. The difficulty is that we've also got the clinical signs that are observable. You know, you've got observable clinical signs. You've got X-rays. what uh, well, the, the point is, I'm trying. I'm trying to get to the point where here we can acknowledge that there has been a medical situation that needs addressing because at I the moment we've got a, got a very that. small we've got a very small minority of people in the world who are in this echo chamber of the, of the issues that we're witnessing but the reality is if we ever to move beyond that echo chamber we've got to recognize that, that the vast majority of people aren't seeing what we see and if we if we're seen as people who are denying there's a virus denying there's been a health care outcome and i'm not saying you are specifically but it believe me there, there the are healthcare? plenty I, I, i'm not i'm not saying that you did um, uh, but but i'm saying there are people within this movement who do deny that there's been a been, a, been a, 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 an excess, people, I mean, someone sent me a message today saying there's been no excess mortality in 2020. It's just like, look at the charts there. And I, 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 and again, I know that you can look over the last 30 years, the last 40 years and see it in context. It's not, it's not, it's still, it's still a relatively mild, um, Burst. But, but my mission here is to try and get the message across to, to the people who are yet to, to examine this situation. And we're getting tired with, everyone is getting tired of the same brush as people who are denying there's been a medical, and again, I'm not referring to you specifically, but but I, I live, I'm living inside of this community every single day. And it's very hard to go beyond that community when we're in a situation when people are interpreting that messaging that there is no virus, there's been no healthcare outcome, there's been no pandemic. It's very hard to go beyond the echo chamber what if, if that's the message? So uh, that's why I'm very passionate about this because my mission here is to go beyond the converted and into those who are yet to answer the questions, um, which is why I'm trying to, uh, to, to, to to tackle the fact that we have seen the medical, and again, to be very clear, I'm not saying that you're not saying that, but but if it's not a virus, then what is it? Because when you see the same same clinical signs over and over again that are similar to flu, but have distinct differences, how do you explain that? Because if we have, if, if it's not a virus, then what is it? I mean, the, the common understanding here that, that a, vir- a viral pathogen has caused this outbreak. And and therefore, you know, even if we take vaccines off the table, we need to understand how prophylactics can, can support the, uh, you can break may the I, chains of transmission.
2: May I respond um, to a couple of things? Of I am here yeah. again, may I respond? Okay, Um, I'm not saying that there wasn't a virus or a lot of viruses and that this thing is just out of thin air. But there is, in my in my estimation, at looking what is there right now scientifically and what isn't there, I don't believe there's a specific SARS-CoV-2 virus. And let me say why. Because if you, if you, if you cannot show me an isolate of that virus, then I cannot determine if there are dangers to that virus and to d- design a real vaccine to address those things. And so what we have is, surrogate, and they're not even surrogate viruses I want you to know. The, these things were, uh, Pfizer admitted it, everybody admitted it, Moderna. These are surrogate amino acid chains. They're not even viruses. And yet they want you to think that there's this boogeyman particular SARS-CoV-2 that's even more virulent than SARS-CoV-1 because they want you to be scared enough to take the vaccine. Now let me say one other thing, Dan, because we're on the same side. Steve Bannon always says, pay attention to the signal, not the noise. If you get all caught up and I get all caught up in what structure the virus is and how is there a, they're killing the world. The bioweapon is going by us like this. The bioweapon is the vaccine, the justification of the vaccine. We, We have never lived in a world since you left your mother's womb without bacteria and viruses and fungi and protozoa. So don't, yeah, there's a, ton there are billions of elements around us every day that our body our body works in so what I'm saying is you get all hung up and you got to get this thing or you prove there's a real virus you know what meanwhile another hundred thousand people in your region got jabbed with this DNA this RNA sorry misspoke this RNA code that's going to force them to make a toxic pathogen is going to eventually degrade their body if they're lucky enough to live that long. So that's all I'm saying. I'm saying, let's not get into that you know thing about the virus. If you can prove there is one, man, give me a call. I'd love to see it. I'll look at it. And if I'm wrong, you know, if you, you if you've ever seen any of my other, you know, my papers, my publications, if I'm wrong, I admit it. But in the meantime, we're letting the real problem fly by. And I know, I know you care about the, the, the injections too. I'm not saying you don't, but we're letting the real problem
0: fly by, and that's all I wanted to
2: get
1: in there. Jane, can I? No, I,
0: think, just, I mean, um, um, sorry, go on down. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, I think the, the thing is for me is there's there's two sides to this. It's about how do we how do we expand the audience beyond the echo chamber because we do have an echo chamber, and it's it's I I, I regularly check in with people who are far removed from this 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 situation, and I get the common objections. You know, that it's the it's the things that repel people from even beginning to lift the lid on what's going on here um and and it's 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 the issue around the virus so the vaccines right now are the biggest issue but if the, if it can't if they can't get beyond the issues of the the virus itself then how are they ever going to look at the vaccine so i challenge hard on that because it's my goal to, to help make more and more people understand that there, there, there is a there's issues around the viral management but now we have the separate set of issues which is clearly predicated on the back of the the viral issues and you're absolutely right you know my, my real concerns at the minute is is with the the uh the roll out, the deployment of these experimental technologies, where already we're seeing enough harms to raise the alarm bells. Yet that alarm bell is being suppressed. I mean, it's uh, it, it it just it, blo- it it blows my mind how how many people aren't paying attention to what's happening and and the dissonance around it. You know, it's it's people the justification that pe- I mean, people. I mean, I heard about someone went temporarily blind from this. Fortunately, their sight recovered. Sure. Sure, but, but, but they, say, getting, they, they said it's a sign it's working, this is the level of dissonance. It's, how how has blindness yeah, ever been the sign that any medical intervention is working? I, that, that's no. called the
2: Stockholm syndrome, and I agree. And what it is, if we can't get people off of this, this this virus, whether it's real or not, or what it is, and how big it is, if we can't get past that, it was used to scare people into getting taking <laughs> voluntarily the bioweapon. So I'm saying don't get so hung up on the virus thing. Yes, I understand people can't get past it, but maybe the, the approach is not to say, look, we haven't seen an isolate yet. Maybe the approach is to say, look, regardless of what this virus is, you know, look at the Delta variant. You know, viruses have been around for billions of years long before we got here. And you know what? They all act pretty much the same. And so one of my hashtags is viruses burn down. They don't burn up. Delta variant is, if I, you know, I, I don't want you to have to bleep me out, but it's BS. It's total baloney. Viruses don't burn up into scarier and bigger things. They burn down and then other things in the environment get a foothold and then, then that's the next virus. And that's how the world has worked. So I just, I just wanted to make that point. I think it's really important to keep people's eye on the jab, right? The jab, because you're all of our governments are trying to keep us afraid of whatever this boogeyman virus is that nobody can seem to show us and that all the research companies who made these these injections are saying you know we used a surrogate we use something that you know sort of mole- excuse me molecularly looked like 50 percent of what it's not even like it's an exact replica if you read the if you read through the, those types of papers so um
0: dr dangerous. jane we, uh, we you touched on it several times before. Um, obviously, with the PCR test, and obviously, you know, I, I want as many people as possible to get a clear understanding of what these tests actually are and what they don't do. Because uh, from a from a medical professional, because obviously we've known for a long time, uh, the, the the inventor of them said they're not a diagnostic tool whatsoever. Um, and as we were discussing earlier, there's like thousands of children currently isolated from uh, from school, from their education, et cetera, et cetera. There's you know, loads, loads of people in the military are just they're getting like isolated in the in accommodation because like one person tests positive, and, you know, they've got hay fever symptoms. Um, can you explain to the public, please, like what this PCR test does and, and doesn't do, if you don't mind?
2: Um, I'm not an expert in it like the inventor, Carrie Mullis, but what I understand about it and, and these are from his, his his lectures and his words, and there are, a lot of them are still on YouTube, so people can fact check me. Um, he said it was it's not able to de- detect an illness. It cannot tell you if you're sick. Uh, when you're sick with a virus, you know you get exposed to viruses every day. Your body sees it. It doesn't n- need to know that it saw it before. It knows it's foreign and it takes care of it. Um, and so it's important to remember. Uh, that the PCR he said, the PCR test cannot tell you if you're sick. You're sick when a, a certain number of viruses or, or a virus replicates into a certain number. Uh, and, and that's called viral load. And, it, and it's it's so it's high enough that you start to feel fatigued because now you've got an all-out war on it and you're tired and all that other stuff. Uh, but the PCR test uh, was it's a it's a polymer chain reaction and it, and it requires a physical spinning of the specimen and over a certain number of uh, spins, or they call them cycles, you're really getting down to single individual molecules. You know, when you really look at what the world is made of, carbon and this thing and all these other elements, when you get down to basics, there are only just a few basic building blocks. And so what Kerry Mullis was saying, if you spin this thing enough, you're just gonna get the basic thing. So if you say this is my COVID test, my SARS-CoV-2 test, and I spin it at 50 cycles, I'm going to get a positive, what the machine calls a positive. Uh, so, so just you know, remember that. I've made the sarcastic comment. Actually, it's it's actually rooted in truth. That if I swab with a PCR test kit a ham sandwich, it's going to come up positive for COVID. Why? Because eventually, it's going to spin down into a, into protein molecules or amino acid molecules. So this is the problem with it. Like I said, it should make everybody suspicious and really pissed off that there's only one, I'm gonna repeat myself because it's worth it, one test all over the world being used to diagnose this thing that is allowed to shut down the world. That should make you very suspicious, (laughs) alone without even hearing Dr. Mollis, who by the way, I believe was killed, but he's since uh, just recently died at the very end of 2019 mysteriously. Mm
0: Just, yeah I've just, uh, uh, just, uh, uh,
1: McAfee, McAfee died right
0: you
1: yeah. know <laughs> same, same story
0: with the, um, and obviously i with the, with, I, no. I had a conversation with somebody the other day and I said, imagine living in a world where the majority of things that you'd like to do day to day the freedoms you'd like to do day to day are governed by you taking a test that doesn't test you for something that you don't even have. Imagine living in that world. And then they were like, oh yeah, yeah, it'd be shit, wouldn't it? I'm like, you're living in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Literally living in it. So everything we do with that is travel. And obviously with the issue we have, I'm not sure what it's like in the United States, but here in the UK, uh, obviously there's traffic light systems, all the places that you technically are supposed to be able to go um, uh, to red listed countries, amber and green. Um, and you need to do one of these PCR tests before leaving and on return at your own cost of about a hundred, average of about a hundred pounds uh, about 150 US dollars, which is you know pretty uh, pretty disgraceful. But you know anywhere else around the country, whether you're in healthcare and stuff like that, you do PCR tests all the time. It's it's free. Um, so we can see clearly see it's a money making uh, money making issue. But uh, you know I'm, I'm, I wanted to get your sort of verdict on it, so the wider audience can actually get an understanding because we we've got people isolating all around the country um, because of these very tests that do not test you for COVID 19, and also. As Dan will be able to acknowledge there's freedom of information requests going in on a daily basis all over the country like literally everywhere every big large hospital going, asking the hospitals what cycles are they testing these PCR tests out and we know we know from like um, peer-reviewed papers and reports etc cetera, etc cetera, and from Dr. Carrie Mullis the um, he said anything over 25 cycles you will get a 97% you know, false positive and pretty much every hospital, every establishment have come back and said they're testing them at 40 plus.
2: Right, But even if you spin it at 25 or 20, you're still not going to find a viral infection. That was Mm -hmm. what he said too. And people forget that second part of it. I want to add a couple of things. You're talking about these quarantines, these lockdowns. The reason I keep going upstream to the PCR test is fraudulent is because if you teach people that this thing is a fraud on them, they're not going to believe case numbers. They're not going to believe these quarantine rules and things like that. And I want to share with you because I know people have a lot of interest in the United States. I live in the state of Florida in the United States. I moved here from D.C. because D.C. was becoming very dangerous, right? Unfortunately, it is along partisan lines. And we have a governor here who is, is, has secured freedoms around us. We still had to fight back on some mask stuff, pockets of it here and there. But there are states in the United States that are every bit as bad right now in terms of lockdowns and these policies in, in, as, the, as the U.K. So, you know, California, New York, um, and those of us who have families in those states worry. We're trying to get them out. I left D.C. out of a, uh, because I felt unsafe in, in the state of, of Virginia, which is or surrounds D.C. Yeah. My point is that we still have those issues, but it, it goes along party lines. And so the globalists, the leftists, the communists, uh, the, the, the puppets of the CCP, no matter what party they're in, because we have those on both sides, um, are, are really creating uh, gulags, if you will, gulag states within the United States, but then we have Florida. We're wide open. I go into stores, there's no lockdown, there's no mask anymore. To be honest with you, if somebody asked me to put a mask on today, I'm so fed up with it, I'd probably push them through a glass window. I know I just (laughs) said something really bad. I'm usually not a violent person, but we have had it. And I don't know, I don't know if that's just Florida or some people in the US. I mean, we certainly had our share of compliance, which is embarrassing. And I don't want to close out your show without or end your show without saying something about the children. This mm-hmm. is a very dangerous. You think you have suicides now of people going. I took the jab and I'm sick and I'm, I'm and people are doing it. They're committing suicide when people realize that they march their children into these clinics to get the jab and later on and they die of a cardiac event or something and there's nothing else wrong with that child. They're either going to deny it, like Dan was describing before. It's called Stockholm syndrome. Uh, there was a woman in Scotland. She's very famous now, Sarah Buchman. She took the jab, her first jab, she got all these blood blisters all over her legs. It's serious, she's gonna be in a wheelchair for the foreseeable future, they told her. And yet at the end of the article, she said, but I still recommend people take it. That is the living breathing version of Stockholm syndrome. She cannot admit to herself that she has taken a life altering mm-hmm. thing that she did not need to take. I don't, I, I please protect your babies and your children. Just wait. You have nothing to lose by waiting. Babies are not mm. dying in the street from whatever this is.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think that to, to, to iterate that on Stockholm syndrome, it's 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 devastating. I mean, it, there are. I mean, it, it's this is probably a, a smaller cohort, but there is there is people who have you know gone through injuries uh, as a result of vaccines and and their children have done so but then they spend the rest of their life trying to justify how it's something else other than their decision to avoid going through the guilt that comes through it and that's that's tragic um but but actually it doesn't serve anyone else because what we've got right now the denial around this is 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 putting your neighbor at risk you know i i I, the, the very minimum that people in the uk can do right now is if you have an adverse reaction is report it to the yellow card System or the uh, the,
2: right.
1: the, the Vair system. That's the very least you can do. You, if you've taken if you've taken the trip and you've had a bad 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 ride, l- at least help someone else avoid the same problem. Because we know yeah. in the studies from the US, Harvard Harvard shows the reporting rates is between one to ten percent maximum. Actually, uh,
2: so, so it's actually less than that. In the Harvard Pilgrim study, they cited um, a report a real reporting rate of one to ten percent for all drug. Uh, adverse events, but right, it was right. their quote, their quote, less than one percent for vaccine reported events, which means that it could be it could be zero to one percent. So when people say, Jane, you can't multiply that by a hundred. Oh, yeah, I can. I can actually multiply it by a thousand because zero to ten to one is a multiple of a thousand on a reported uh, number. But I didn't mean to interrupt you, Dan. I really no, want yeah. people to it's not one to ten percent. It's less than one percent. So these numbers we're seeing, in your countries, our countries, they're likely, according to this study, much, much higher. And I wanted to add something else. You you guys alluded to it earlier. Doctors, I call them zombie doctors. I feature them. I, I take clips where they're telling people that they're, these jabs are safe and effective. And I put them up. I put those clips up, and I say, really? Uh, they didn't skip any steps? Where are the animal studies? Where are the pharmacokinetic studies? Where are the, where are the uh, you know the, the uh, concentration study. So the point being um, there are doctors that are in lockstep. Somebody just made a comment on your show that schoolmasters are going, that's the least of it. Are you kidding? Doctors, um, it's unbelievable. They're either not reading the literature because they have access to the same information that I do, or they're complicit because they're getting grants, funding, and incentives from either their insurance companies, uh, or are the uh, the pharmaceutical companies directly gifting grants to shut up and push the jab, even though they know this is the worst violation of the Hippocratic Oath ever in the history of hum- humanity. It's it's just the worst.
0: And um, just on that note, uh, Jane, um, we've got a question here on how do we support those who have taken a jab? Many did it in good faith after 24-7 psychological manipulation, which is absolutely true. I mean, Dan spoke about us at the weekend, didn't we, Dan? I said Like I'm very much at the point and in total belief that like, and I'm not a fan of people just walk around calling anybody who's had the vaccination sheep. I don't like every single person's done what they felt was right at that time for them and their family and what they believe and what the environment they've been succumbed to over that period of time. Like that is fact, you've got to accept that. Like we can't go around calling people sheep and this, that and the other. Um, likewise is totally, you know, out of place to call people who are, like us, for example, who are trying to explain and express the truths around this, tinfoil hat wearers, you know, it works both ways, but it's all about being united on this and getting the truths out there because that's what people deserve more than anything. Um, yeah. So, what would your um, sort of advice be, uh, you know, as um, the question is there on how do you support people take a job? I mean, I suppose every person is going to be different. Some people would just be, you know, be like, yeah, whatever, mate, do one um whereas others would be quite scared about it um and this is like what i don't want to happen from this conversation is for some people to suddenly go running out screaming at their friends who've had the family who've had vaccinations like you need to go watch a show and it's just gonna scare the life out of people and that's not the agenda here it's for people to have information because they haven't had informed consent like regardless that's of where great. they are
2: it's correct that's correct and every bit of compassion of course no, nobody should be treating people who took it. There's been a lot of lies, a lot of misrepresentation. We have people that were formerly very trustworthy or trusted uh, in our societies like physicians and scientists, That's all gone away. We have to, this is a new era. Allopathic medicine, I believe, is going to take a serious hit after this because a lot of these zombie doctors, and I call them that because they say the same thing over and over again. But for people who've taken it, they've taken it for many different reasons. Um, What I try to do is the preventive part and say to them, there's no job uh, that is, or, or college degree or diploma, that is worth living the rest of your life in a wheelchair, in pain, a shortened life, or maybe dying of a cardiac event uh, very quickly and, and horribly. Uh, there's nothing that's worth that. But if they have taken it, when I've done public speaking um, regionally, I've said to people, if you've taken the two jab series, don't take any boosters. For the light, for your life, don't take any boosters. If you took the first one, don't take the second one. And obviously, if you haven't taken any uh, and you're on the fence, just wait. Do more research. Listen to. If you don't believe me? You know, look, look at you guys are doing great work. The three of us are here today. I think we'd all rather be like you know, in the, the south of France on a beach somewhere. But we're doing this because we care about people. Um, and so, so that's what I would say to people. And it depends on where they are in symptoms. If somebody got it and they're feeling great and they never had anything and they think, Jane, you're full of baloney, okay, great. I'm happy to hear it. Just don't take any more because there could be a priming uh, thing to this whole process. But So that's what I would do. And obviously, if they're having trouble and symptoms, I do want to share that I saw something recently, and I can find it and post it or send it to you. Uh, it It was a scientific paper. And it was also corroborated by an FDA guidance document to companies to tell them how to set up studies to look at viral vaccine shedding. So they knew about this years ago. But the point is in that document, they talk about uh, this uh, this uh, whole issue and that the the biggest danger is in sort of the first two or three weeks or four weeks. There's something a little vague about the timing, but it does tell me that even though they have this messenger RNA in their system probably indefinitely, forever, uh, that it might burn down a little bit in its aggressiveness to force you to make the spikes. That would be good news for the people that took it. I have heard some other doctors talk about different approaches, alternative medicine, uh, you know, herbal things. I'm not going to mention them because they're not bound in scientific data, and I don't feel responsible talking about it. but even if you do believe in taking an herb or something to get rid of the spikes, don't forget that's downstream. What's upstream is that genetic code telling your body every cell every day, keep making, keep making. So you really gotta chase it from further upstream.
0: Mm. And despite what many friends might tell you, vodka won't work either.
2: No, but it's fun trying.
0: okay um, and <laughs> and and Dan, are you pretty much like along the same level because you speak to like so many people like on a daily basis um from but from both sides, really?
1: I think it's important to reckon you know you're absolutely right. We're seeing discrimination and segregation being pushed through the initiatives like vaccine passports, et cetera, uh, and deliberately divisive tactics coming through the media. Uh, my view is this is an opportunity for us to unite and actually we need to be extending an open arm uh, an open arms to those who have gone through this um you know it's always about being the change you want to see and actually being the light for others for once you know if they have a problem that they know they can come to you that's that's the issue here and i think there's the practical side in terms of the physical harms you know i'm not qualified to talk about those things but there's lots of people will be bringing on the show to talk about those uh different aspects because i think there are things that can be done to reduce the uh severity of some of the some of the harms um And I think there's even people talking about preventative measures but the 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 most simple preventative measure is to as as we've talked about is just to wait you know if you if you you feel like you if you feel compelled to have it just wait you know that's 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 really the most sensible thing i would advise right now but ultimately people will make their own decisions and i think it's important that we don't fall out amongst that we're seeing friendships break down seeing loved ones separate and this is this is a really dangerous side effect of all of this is that, that the fabric of society starts to slip away, and that's 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 what we really need to work hard to avoid. Uh, and it's about building bridges amongst one another. Mm. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Think-
2: I, and, I, and I wanted to mention something. You're talking about the side effects and some of these, you know, terrible uh, conditions that are popping up. Um, it's really important to note. There's there's a signal coming out, a trend that's very disturbing to me. When people go for, let's just take myocarditis for example, just as an example, or, or chest pain and pressure, they go to the hospital. They're standard. I'm a, I'm a cardiac nurse practitioner, so um, that's my specialty, cardiology. So when you, there are certain approaches, uh, uh, blood enzymes for cardiac wall damage you know, EKGs, other kinds of, you know, um, motion wall, you know, uh, sonar and things like that, they're coming up positive, even when the person's in the throes of acute symptoms. And then when they go to, uh, to apply certain approaches, you know, d- different drugs that will slow the heart down to a normal rate or, you know, you know nitrates to reduce the chest pressure, you know, from whatever is, it, it, it's not working. And, and I, I fear that this is part of the sinisterness of these shots because what they've put in there is not, it's something that's happening some other way than the normal way that a heart attack happens or the normal way myocarditis happens because it's not responding. Mm-hmm. And the diagnostics are normal, which should be very much of concern, but it's a clue for further research and rapid research because we need to save as many people as possible. These people that are getting these things that if they recover, they're going to have down, as their life goes on, they're going to have sequela. So they have to be very careful, very vigilant.
0: And, and just on that uh, briefly, because I've seen quite a number of reports that you've been doing recently over in the States um, on the subject of cardiology is the um, sheer amount of uh, like blood clots and stuff that have been seen in airline pilots. Obviously, uh, British Airways have had uh, re- reported four dead in seven-day yes. period. And I think there was, was some in the States in a uh from what i read a canadian pilot collapsed on the runway um and obviously you've been doing a lot of digging into the um the, the reporting of that and uh the legislations that they're bringing in stuff like that is would you mind uh, just elaborating on that just a little bit yeah
2: really quickly um there is, um, there, there's always a little bit of a risk of developing blood clots in your legs when you fly. It's, it's a mm-hmm. dehydrated cabin, it's pressure. Everybody, I think, I think most people are familiar with a little bit of that. And then if you have comorbidities, it's, it's even worse. But when you add these jabs to it, uh, the spike proteins, remember, get into every cell in your body. They get into the bone marrow. That's a, that's a second most highest place. And so they're 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 damaging platelets. Uh, some of these people are bleeding, and they they have a platelet count of zero. Normal platelet count is 150,000 to 300,000. Or they're having the, the antithesis they're having, or sometimes both clotting and bleeding out. That's a very difficult thing. Uh, so with, with regard to flying, though, uh, the airlines have come out uh, across the world, including American carriers, saying if you've had the jab, don't fly for X number of weeks or a month or something. While at the same time, they're not only incentivizing the airline pilots and flight attendants and control tower people, but they're also threatening them that if they don't take an incentive, they're going to end up getting a mandate by such and such a date this summer. Uh, this is absurd. Can't people see the hypocrisy in this? So it's very big concern. You don't want your pilot uh, to throw a blood clot in his leg up to his lung or his brain and have a pulmonary, you know, fatal event or a stroke. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's just it's just a national safety or an international safety uh emergency uh, that's just waiting to explode and mm. we're trying to get the word out and and i just want to say one other thing um when we were talking before about you know people like in your neighborhoods and in your in your areas there where things are locked down um you don't have to comply um i would go to those agencies and 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 don't you know it's great. I loved seeing the protest in London. I was very gratified. It was heartwarming. I was I was sitting there at my computer going, yes, you know, go, go, you know, everybody over there. Um, but but that that's great, but that that doesn't I would do the same thing and bring a million and a half people, you know, to the doors of whatever your equivalent is of like your CDC, uh, your FDA, your EMA. I mean, those those are the things and when they're thinking about approving this for you know the next age group is 2 to 11
0: mm, yeah in the united states
2: yeah you said something earlier that i want to affirm because i've seen the science behind it you can just see it in the verus system going down the younger you go the bigger the issues the more serious the issues and the greater the death please protect your children and your babies
0: yeah absolutely
2: Don't let them authorize this and expand these these you know malarkey you know eua's to to babies terrible terrible
0: yeah, th- thank you too. for elaborating on that. So, you know, it's a really important point um, because there's there's so many just like mixed stories and signals and obviously Dan knows more than the most what the media is um, has been like over here. And um, I, I remember way over six months ago, uh, nearly 12 months ago, probably having an argument with somebody. I'm saying like, oh, the media's saying this, they're lying about this, this and this. And someone was saying to me like, there's no way Ofcom wouldn't allow it. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, you know come with the people who are supposed to regulate what well, so that goes in and out of the media. my answer was like, well clearly they're self isolating and I think they still are um because yeah the you no know,
2: you know when when I was little, I was a little smug about being an American because I'm the granddaughter of four legal uh immigrants to the United States, and um I used to think, you know we'd never do that because we're from the stock of people that you know left Europe and we're protesters, and you know we're seventeen seventy six Guess what? Last year was a real eye opener for me when I saw the volume of Americans who just laid down and rolled over. And I thought, Hmm. oh, my God, are you people out of here? So I don't know what's going on there, but I just hope people won't do it a second time. Because watch the crescendoing of this Delta variant. By the way, it was called the India variant till the government of India complained (laughs) that it was offensive. So they changed it to Delta
1: you have also it's got Delta Plus. Things. Delta Plus now. Delta Plus is the next uh, Delta yeah,
2: like
1: plus, plus plus size. <laughs>
2: no, yeah, because you, you didn't fall for the virulence, the extra virulence of just Delta variant. So they mm. had to add a plus to. You know, it's just so transparent, right?
0: Yeah, I um I, I coughed earlier and I, I I genuinely thought I had the uh, Delta Plus times ten minus three. <laughs> um, you know, luckily no one was around me.
2: God, God help us! God help us! The absurdity—if people could just take a step back, if they could, you know, stop believing, start seeing a little bit that—that it is, that it is, a, that it, is uh, it is a message, a narrative. A, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense, right? They might start to. You might get a crack open where they will be a little more discerning in what they're trying to figure out. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 sad. Yeah, absolutely. we
0: fight on. We fight on. Um, I, w- I wanted to uh, take this opportunity to thank you both um, enormously for coming on the show today. It's, it's absolutely fantastic to um, hear the insights from, obviously, Dan, who's just done such amazing work. Ladies and gents, if you haven't checked out Dan's podcast, please do, the Pandemic podcast, um, all over YouTube. Um, it is on Facebook, sort of. Um, and uh, in in between, yeah.
1: In, 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 in yeah, in between getting sensitive, talking about vitamin C, natural treatments, and natural immunity. Uh, I, I mean, I took right. specific the, the specific treatment, I can't even say it live now. I won't I won't subject your show, just begins with either. it begins with either and ends in nectin. If you join the dots, yeah. you'll find it. But the BBC, yeah, yeah. Have now, the, B, the BBC have now started talking about it, so maybe, maybe now it's legit that we can talk oh, yeah. about it.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, you do. You, you guys do. You, yeah, you guys do understand why they had to bash HCQ and ivermectin, right? You, you understand yeah. why? Because absolutely. Really, yeah, in the in, get, at least in the US, we could never have gotten the uh, emergency use off. It was it would have been illegal. Hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll get this. Here's here's, here's I, I, this is breaking from today in the UK. The the the, the trials that have been run through Oxford on uh, from an insider from on 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 iver the the dosage that's being used it has it, been deliberately set to for, so the experiment fails you know so questions mm-hmm. are now being asked about why 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 it, it, they did the same with hydroxychloroquine they, they did such a high level dose that it caused harm but we're going to see the same problem it's mm. just corrupt you know it's, it's well, just um...
0: Dr. Peter McCulloch said the exact same thing in a recent interview, didn't he? Uh, um, and if you haven't seen him, guys, Dr. Peter McCulloch like, is one of the leading cardiologists in the, in, in the world. Um, he actually said that th- they've seen fraudulent papers produced to make out that uh, Hotel Charlie Quebec um, <laughs> is is not, good, not good for... Rough. Is not good for you, um, and it's actually dangerous for the heart. When in fact, it's completely the opposite. And he says that, you know, yeah. on on a, on a number of occasions in a number of interviews. So, um, you know, just, uh, you, even if you hashtag like Doctor Peter McCullough, you know, you'll see like a he's lot of his pan- amazing he's, work. He,
1: well, yeah, we've got him on the show on Friday, actually, on the pandemic. Have you really? Wonderful. Oh, yeah, I have not met him. Oh, you're yes.
2: you're very lucky. You're very lucky to get him. That's wonderful. Uh, he's he's one of speak. my.
1: He's, Amazing. Yeah, he's speaking at our conference on uh, the
0: 17th as well. Really? Awesome. Oh,
2: that's awesome. Good, good. Yeah. I'm glad he's doing that all he's, over the uh, world.
0: He's, he's, um, he's elaborating very, very well. He's articulating the message very, very well on a lot of these real bad issues um, from his standpoint as
2: like one of the leading cardiologists in the world. Um yes. Yes, he's more. He's probably one of the top three most qualified people in the world with the eclectic combination of all of his experience. You know, mm. um, so yes, you, you're gonna, you're in for a treat. He's just a great speaker. He's taught me a lot. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to you know one of one of these days at um, something in the U.S. I'm sure we'll bump into each other. So. And yeah.
0: uh, when's that done, just for the uh, the listeners and the viewers?
1: Yes, yeah, so, the 17th. It's the 17th of July. Uh, it's the 17th of July. It's being hosted in London. It's an invite-only event where we're inviting the, the press, the media, uh, academics, um, public figures. We've got people from music, arts, entertainment. Um, our goal is really to try and shift the narrative in the mainstream media. Um, so it's uh, we've, we, we've obviously got a finite capacity due to the rules we've currently got, but it's going to be live-streamed across the world. Um, we've got a panel of amazing speakers. The full day, uh, really dissecting a lot of the evidence base around this, in the most uh, credible possible way that we can, to really start to shift the needle uh, around the conversation and give people sound bites and evidence that they can use in the in the in in, in tackling the issues that we're facing here. Um, we've worked incredibly hard to build a build a really robust program. Um, And you can check out the link at questioneverything.io. It's questioneverything.io. You'll find the full summit there. Um, uh, And it's a very very exciting event uh, happening physically in London. Uh, The first of its kind to to critically evaluate the uh, response to COVID-19 and to lay a pathway uh, out of this. No
2: masks, Dan. No masks.
1: No masks. (laughs) Um, we we're, we're we're quite we're in terms of the actual rules and regulations of the, the venue. We're still tied quite a bit with some of it. Um, it's not a protest, obviously. A protest in a march, room, do what we like. But
2: right, we've got a prestigious
1: right. co- prestigious conference venue, um, and you know the the, the the people we're inviting to be in the room uh, are not necessarily the people that are asking the questions that we're asking. So we're hoping to begin to lift the lid uh, on some of these mm-hmm. key issues. You, you know, st- straight out of the block session one. You know, why the pandemic rulebook was thrown out of the window uh, back in January. Uh, session number two, all of the issues around PCR testing, asymptomatic transmission, uh, both in terms of the data and the clinical information around this. Uh, and you know, throughout the day, we're going to examine all the consequences of policy uh, and look at how we can actually move forward beyond this, not only in terms of practicalities, but also culturally, politically, socially, economically. Um, it's a packed day.
0: <laughs> Amazing. And, and, you know, I, I, I just see, like, clearly how, like, the amazing work that your team does uh, on a non-stop basis, and I know you don't get a chance to really talk about it on your own show, but from an outsider looking in and having met so many of them on uh, on Saturday, I just want to thank the, your team, um, and you know, on behalf of the, on the, you know, the viewers and that that help you make the Pandemic Podcast what it is, um, and uh, you know, really shed some light on the true, real issues that we have, um, and you know, really getting that, you know, fine message out to the people to help them find out the, the truth because that's what we're, we're all here for. Um, guys, uh, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, for those of you who enjoy the show at home, don't forget you can share this. Obviously, it's on my Facebook Live, so please share with your friends, um, tag them. You know, we want as many people to get the message uh, as possible. You know, the big, the wider the audience, the, the wider the message, okay? Um, obviously, we've got fantastic, credible, it's um, huge amounts of experience here from Dr. Jane Ruby over in the United States and um, Dan Astor-Gregory, who's the founder of the Pandemic Podcast. He was done 250, 300 episodes with some of the most experienced and qualified scientists, doctors, nurses, and you know, psychologists in the world um, about these uh, alarming issues that we still press to this day um, here in the UK, the United States, and now more so in Australia and New Zealand. Um, for those of you in Australia, New Zealand, um, obviously, you, you know, you're kind of going through a carbon copy of what happened in the UK six months ago. So, you know, look in, pay attention, and take solace from this podcast. Um, but I, from my, you know, from me to my friends and the family over there, I can clearly see that you guys, you know, aren't buying any of it. So, well done. Um, if you haven't already done so, guys, please subscribe to the AJ Robert Show podcast. Um, I don't have any ads on my show, and I refuse to have any. Okay. I won't be sold out. Um, My my, my podcast is for you and the wider audience, okay? And that's what it's all about. It's all about you guys. I don't make anything from this. All right. I just I I love people, and I want to see everybody, um, you know, live a life of you know true solace and and love. That's all I'm after. All right. So please subscribe. Please share the podcast, and I will see you next week. When AJ, AJ, before
1: we go, give the audience an opportunity to find out how to follow.
0: uh, Dr. Jane, because... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. Apologies. How rude. How rude. I'll take myself I'm out. No, oh,
2: no. That's okay. That's okay.
1: Hi, Jack, and your show Sorry, AJ. Yeah, thank yeah.
2: You. Don't be so hard on yourself. Anyway, um, just kidding. Uh, thank you for that. I'm on Telegram. I, I post a lot of new stuff on Telegram, but for the time being, I'm on Twitter and Facebook until they take me out. And uh, I'm, when we finish here, I've got to run because I'm hosting the uh, second and third hours of Alex Jones' uh, Info War show of the War Room. So, uh, come over and see me there if you can get that over over in the UK. That would be wonderful. But um, otherwise, I'm on the Stu Peter show as his medical contributor three times a week, and we're we're doing what you guys are doing. I mean, there's there's a lot more of us, I think, than we know, trying to get this out and and really save uh, pain and suffering in our fellow man. So, thanks for having me again. Thank you.
0: Amazing, amazing. Thank you. And guys, don't forget to check out there's Dan's episode with Dr. Peter McCullough on Friday and we'll be back next Wednesday with uh President Donald Trump. No, I was joking. Um
2: <laughs> just to see if they're listening. Yeah. yeah.
0: He's second ask, on
2: one Ask him what he thinks about warp speed now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> guys there. gonna love you and leave you. Thanks again, guys. Um have a beautiful evening and I'll see you next week on the AJ Robert show. Thank you guys. Peace. Bye bye.